something outside. What is that? Being and then uh, driving up to the Olympics, um, where um, 
we're going to do some collaboration with some of the other guys and uh, and uh, sit down because uh, like I said this guy's been doing a lot of work uh, and uh, on on the subject and it's really uh, accumulated to a point now where where it's time to to do something about it. Yeah, I'm uh, I I'm a basically a, a Bigfoot data nerd and. Uh, I know Tom Baker with the Olympic Project has done a lot of uh, data plotting and stuff, and it and he did a presentation. I've seen a couple of his presentations, and um, I don't know, I'm just kind of frothing at the mouth. It's, it's it's cool to be able to look at, you know, it's one thing to see individual reports and and such. Um, it's it's uh, completely different to take all that information and put it in in a form where you can actually look at it and see uh, patterns start to emerge, you know. And uh, I, I definitely see that in, in what Tom is, has put out there. And Mr. X, is, his correct. data kind of go, goes right into that. I mean, that's, you know, when you start to, to accumulate stuff and, and put it as, turn it into data points, it's, it's interesting because you uh, one of the big uh, goals of the the Olympic project is to create predictability, is working on predictability mm-hmm. and looking for patterns, and and that that's something that fascinates me. So, yeah, indeed, and uh, uh, we are also going to have quite a few uh, special guests at this event. Uh, you know, it, it's really going to be it's going to be a really interesting uh, time together with a lot of interesting people. I'm looking forward to meeting. Uh, some of the uh, other, you know, the, you know, people from all walks of life joining these events, uh, and some are uh, long-time researchers, some are enthusiasts, um, and and so it's going to be a good chance to just talk with these individuals. I always take something away from these times out uh, at these at public expeditions, and uh, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, we do do a lot of uh, a lot of hiking. Uh, we do a lot of different things, so it's, you just never know what can happen up at the Olympics. <laughs> Well, and there has been interesting stories that come out of um, the, that area. A lot of, in fact, that's why the that became the focal point of of the Olympic project. So um, it has quite a history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we've uh, we've actually had some. You know, when Adam Davies, when we talked this on the show, when Adam Davis uh, came up, we had some peculiar events take place there. Some interesting stuff, and that wasn't the only time. Uh, of course, you don't go to these these expeditions to have an encounter because I mean the likelihood is uh, it's pretty low. But uh, you just you never know. Uh, we have found, um, you know, on these expeditions we have found uh, impressions. Um, we've had some interesting vocals. So there have been some tidbits of interest. But really, you go to these expeditions to really collaborate. Uh, Derek Randall and James Millen went up put on a, a fantastic job at uh, survival you know, skills, survival, you know, teaching um, wilderness skills for those that, uh, you know, are not really familiar with uh, being out in the woods uh, and especially what it takes to actually do effective research. And that's a, that's a key thing uh, when it comes to this research. A lot of people just head out in the woods and, and uh, have a stick uh, and bang a tree and, and, and that's about it. And, uh, you, you know, you're really not doing yourself any justice if you uh, have not done your homework on the area that you're you're working in, uh, if you're not uh, if your pack does not have any sort of survival uh, 
things in it like, you know, water, a compass, uh, blanket. Uh, you know, one of the things they teach is double up on everything you have in your pack. You know, whether it's uh, if you have one knife, bring two knives. So if you have one fire starter, bring two fire starters. Uh, and so yep. if you're not prepared to be out there, uh, you're not going to do effective research. So. No, and um, I uh, have been to a, two or three of the public expeditions for the Olympic project, and uh, it's it's always a good time, and and folks have a great time. So, and this one sold out quick. Um, a couple of uh, uh, openings came up uh, uh, recently, and then they filled up just at a you know in a snap. So. Um, if Correct. if you ever see that the, the Olympic project is having an an expedition and you want to attend, don't hold, don't waste any time uh, getting a hold of them and, and and securing your spot because they go fast. So I do want to remind uh, our Monstretch listeners that uh, we have a brand new website uh, at www.monsterxradio.com. Uh, we will be having. Uh, Lots of uh, information uh, that isn't available anywhere but on the website, and as for and and we'll be doing drawings and stuff for the folks that that uh, go there and register. Um, that's uh, www.monsterxradio.com. So check it out. Um, we won't twist your arm to you know go become a member, but uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun over there. So our guest today is. Uh, a gentleman that uh, had an unusual uh, encounter with uh, what he believes to have been a Bigfoot. And uh, I'm always uh, intrigued uh, by uh, folks that have had those experiences. As I said, I have not had the confirmation experience, which I consider seeing one with my own eyes. Um, but, uh, I'm I'm excited to talk to our guest today, uh, Mr. Jeff Bowden. Hey, Jeff, welcome to Monster X Radio. Hey, thanks. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Good. With me is is uh, Shane Corson. Hello. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing, doing well. That was doing well. That, that was your cue, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, so tell us a little bit about your background and stuff. What uh, prior to you know becoming a Bigfoot uh, enthusiast? Well, I to be honest with you, I've never been a Bigfoot enthusiast. Um, <laughs> I always I've always believed it's possible, and you know I watch TV shows, but um, I personally run a paranormal group in Maine, paranormal in Maine. Um, so investigative in that sense, you know I've been around the block quite a bit but uh a buddy of mine owned several acres up north of maine and we go up there he's got a camper we go up there and you know we do some plinking with guns and stuff and have fun and uh went up with my cousin and uh you want me to give you the story or <laughs> let's, yeah let's let's get into it what what happened okay well first we got up there it was daylight um uh, and there were some other people on the bottom of the mountain riding on four wheelers and stuff. Uh, and so we were up top and we, like I said, we did a bunch of plinking. We shot a bunch of bullets and stuff and enjoying ourselves. And there's a, the property is on top of a mountain overlooking a lake. 
and uh, my buddy's got a camper up there, if you want to call it that. It's kind of a wreck, but it's there. And beyond that is a large path that goes through the woods. And uh, we had been told that one of the neighbors down at the bottom of the hill, um, he'd been setting traps for coyote that had a problem with taking out the deer up there. So we, I decided to do a little scouting around there. I've been up there several times, but I'd never gone as into the thick woods as I did this day. And everything, I didn't, my cousin, I'll get to what he saw. I physically didn't see a Bigfoot, but everything I'm about to tell you, all the hallmarks, you can make your own mind up. But uh, So we're walking up this path, and there's we come across in different areas, I'd say about three different trees that were right around eight inches thick, and they were knocked over, which could be weather or whatever. I didn't think much about that except for the fact that they also were broken two or three times on the ground. Um, so that kind of got me thinking, you know, just because of the TV shows and all that. So we leave the area, and we're, we're doing some more shooting and stuff. And just before the sun started getting ready to go down, uh, my cousin kind of freaked out, ran over and grabbed an axe off the table. And I'm like, what? And there's a spruce tree about 10 feet tall, and next to it is another one about four or five feet taller than that. According to him, he had seen what looked like a face, a hairy face, above that 10-foot spruce, and it just went down real slow. But the odd thing is that he said it was green, not brown, like you'd see on TV or whatever. Um, so he's he grabs that, and he's like, you need to go check it out, check it out. And I had a fully loaded 9mm in my hand, and I was still scared, because whatever, if it was that big, all I'm going to do is make it angry. But So I come around the corner, and I didn't see anything, but he said that he had heard some loud thuds like it was running away from me. So we thought that was kind of weird. We just chalked it up as whatever. Um, so when we were shooting my one of my guns, I decided to keep two magazines so that we could shoot it at night and I could get a couple pictures of the, the uh, flare at night. Um, well, now at this point, just as the sun goes down, we start hearing heavy, heavy footprints. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Maine. It's a lot like out west. You get really large moose. Mm-hmm. And Whatever this was was heavier than moose. You could hear it really clumping through the woods, and it was happening about where that trail was that we had uh, taken a look at. We could hear it in front of there, but then we heard it to the left of us. We heard it to the right of us. And whatever this is what made me nervous is that even though I didn't see it, whatever it was was extremely large and extremely fast. Um, And before I carry on the story, I'll let you know that the property owner, Bob, he, as well as three or four other mutual friends, have said, told me that they've seen Bigfoot up there on several occasions. And again, I always just, yeah, whatever, you, you know, you could be right, whatever, but I haven't seen one, so whatever. But um, so whatever it was, it was really large, it was really fast. And now I'm starting to get nervous. Um, again, I've, I've done hundreds of paranormal investigations, and all it does is get me excited. I don't, things don't scare me, but this did. I was scared. Uh, so then I said, all right, I still got those two magazines. And I'm thinking, I'm still thinking in my head, trying to rationalize that this is a native Maine animal, bear, moose, whatever. So I unload two magazines, 32 rounds in the ground to try to scare off whatever it is. Right after I did that, the noises got louder, closer, and faster. 
and more. There was more than one. Um, so then I'm thinking the old cliche, uh, the tree knocking. I pick up a stick and whacked the tree two or three times. And a few seconds later, we actually got an answer behind that tree line, which actually made me laugh because I'm thinking this can't be real, you know. This can't be that cliche. Uh, so then we're – at this point, the uh, batteries, we had about three flashlights, and the batteries all died. So we had the car facing that trail, and we had lights on. We could hear it. We're looking at each other with our jaws dropped, our eyes bugging out, like, oh, my God. Well, he shuts the lights off for a second, and we're probably about 40 yards from that tree line. Shuts the light off, and you can hear it, whatever it is. It was only one at this point, walking towards the towards us, towards the car. And, again, you could feel it on the ground. Um, so he turns lights back on, and there was nothing there. Waited a few seconds, turns lights off. And started getting closer, and I looked at him. I'm like, dude, turn the lights on. Turn them on. And he's like, I want it to get closer. I want it. And it sounded like it was right <laughs> on us. It, it sounded like it was right in front of us. It turns the lights back on, and there's nothing there. There's, you can't see anything on the ground, nothing. Um, and on top of that, this is a very isolated area. Uh, his property is 120 acres. Um, we also, at that some point in that night we heard a woman singing and we heard drumming and also at one point we heard a four-wheeler rev up right behind us but for a split second we didn't hear it coming up the trail or leaving so we we went and took a look to see if we could find a four-wheeler there was nothing there so it was more than just the sounds went on there was all kinds of crazy stuff went on that night and uh at that point after the headlights three or four times again i had a firearm in my hand and my hand was shaking and I finally looked at my cousin and said, I said, the hell with this. I'm never coming up and staying the night in the camp here again. And we, that was it. We split. We were out of there. That's interesting. I mean, that's, I, I don't hear a lot of stories that are that uh, bizarre in terms of having uh, other things, you know, to tie into what could be a Bigfoot encounter. So, so tell us, you said that your cousin saw something. What, can you describe what he described to you? He described what would be, he said it just had a, it looked like a, what you would interpret as a Bigfoot, I guess. Um, it had a real hairy face, real hairy head, but it, again, it was green. It was kind of like the same color as the trees. And the reason I went around to look is to see if there was a branch hanging over or anything like that. It wasn't. And he swears up now. He says, I know it wasn't a branch, dude. I could see the face looking at me. And he just shrunk down straight down behind it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an un, uh that that'd be the first time that I've heard of a green face, but who knows what, you know uh what what would cause that to be the case. If uh, and then if it's Bigfoot in it, you know, it's using some kind of uh you know, tabos flaws or something, maybe they put stuff on their face to on occasion to blend in more. I don't know. That's one of the yeah. questions is how 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 intelligent you know, I'm I'm of the belief that we're dealing with a terrestrial one dimensional um animal, you know. But but the question always comes up is just they elude us and they're they uh seem to own the 
their environment. So just how smart are they? You know, what are they? What kind of, you know, are they culture to people? Are they uh, apes? Are they, you know, a relic hominid? Are they, or are they, you know, a species that just is not showing up in the fossil records? So we really, you know, the, the thing is that the book's wide open in terms of we don't know what we're what they are other than we know that people describe seeing the same thing, you know, with within certain parameters and and uh, that's you know. Um, well, another another thing. That yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Jeff. No, right, go ahead. Well, one point in the night, we also saw like a kind of a small, I'd say about a baseball size red light in the thick of the woods. Uh, it was there for about five seconds or so, and it was gone. Uh, again, there's only one way in, one way out of that place. It's so thick and dense and isolated. And Bob, the owner, um, mentioned once, uh, he, he's told me several stories of seeing him up there. He's seen one with a juvenile that he chased with a friend of his. Uh, another friend was outside going to the bathroom. He broke the screen door to the camper, running in with his pants down, swearing that he saw one. And uh, so Bob's seen him a few times. But he's with a different friend at a, at a different night, and his friend's pointing out, saying, look, he's right there. Can you see him? Can you see him? And Bob says, no, I can't see him. He's like, he's right there. And then all of a sudden, Bob saw a flashlight, and then his friend said that he's gone. You know, it's interesting, too. Uh, I was going to ask you, you know, since some of the, uh, I guess, adjacent neighbors to this, this piece of property, uh, Bob and whatnot, since they, they've seen – uh, you know what they would call Sasquatch. Did they describe any of like, like this? How was what was their description like? Did they see uh, like a green figure at all? Were were they more uh, atypical of what a Sasquatch looks like? Yeah, Bob said definitely atypical. He described it just like you know the typical what you would see on TV or whatnot. Um, he said he's seen them up in the trees. Uh, the juvenile was up in a tree. Um, he's he's had. Uh, I think probably three or four encounters up there. And, but he's not afraid. He'll stay in the camper. He says if they wanted to bother you, they'd bother you. But I just learned to live with it. I don't, you know. But I, I don't take that for granted. I just. It's interesting to me because of your your paranormal background, and you say that none of that stuff, you know, uh, doing that kind of investigation does not freak you out. But this encounter did. Well, I think it's why do you think paranormal. that is? I think you it's think paranormal. You don't. Uh-huh. You, you, you never heard of a ghost attack in some. Well, you might hear it on well. the TV or whatever. <laughs> I never, Actually, yeah, I've never experienced it. But with this, right. we couldn't see it, but we could physically feel it on the ground. I knew it was there, and and it was capable if wanted to to uh, hurt us. And did you? When you say you felt it on the ground, did you feel like the vibrations through the ground of it walking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I've heard I that said. description before, yeah. I mean, I've been, yeah. camping, I've been camping in the woods of Maine for my whole life. I'm 46, and I've had moose come through the site and everything, and I'm familiar with that that experience, you know, the feeling on the ground there. It's a real large mm-hmm. animal. But this one was just way too fast and elusive to be a moose. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I... I tend to believe that there's, you know, think that there's uh, some kind of logical explanation for the coloration, you know, of what your your cousin saw. I mean, that's it's an interesting encounter. 
And how long did were you guys up there that this, I mean, what was the duration of your experience? I would say it started right around mid-afternoon, around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And when we split, it was maybe an hour after sundown. So probably right mm-hmm. around 7, 8 o'clock. Well, no, I, actually, I think it was closer to 9 o'clock when we left. Interesting. And you mentioned, uh, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, he mentioned earlier, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the uh, the gunshots, how you fired them into the ground, and things got seemed to get uh, picked up a little bit in uh, in kind of freaking out, like it, it didn't uh, whatever this was was not afraid of the gunshots, and I I thought exactly. that was interesting because uh, you know a lot of people do reports, you know, a lot of reports come through and have been reported of Sasquatch not being afraid of gunshots, of actually approaching um, the sound of gunshots. And I often wonder, for two, that I often think of maybe for two reasons. One, the gunshot may sound like a wood knock or a tree knock. or And two, you know, uh, I would assume, you know, um, if Sasquatch has been around hunters, and I assume a lot of them have, that they know that a shot can mean a kill and a kill can mean food. Um, but accordingly, right. I do believe that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this thing is probably a lot closer <laughs> than it, it, it was probably not going to mistake this for a gun sh- or a wood knock. It was probably close enough that it maybe just antagonized it. I don't know. Yeah, and and again, the activity increased. We heard it. We heard a lot more movement and noise after that. It was like it. It definitely attracted us. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Well, it's interesting. It, do, you was, do you think there was? Go ahead, Chuck. More than one. Not only was it not scared, but the the thing that really, really freaked me out that that made me scared was when we were playing with the headlights. I know one hundred percent for a fact it got within six feet of us, and then when we turned lights on, there was nothing there. That just blew my mind. That we should have seen something. We we could feel it. We could hear it right in front of us, and it was gone. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that I don't have an explanation of that except I know that uh, our our brains, when we're freaking out, will play all kinds of you know tricks on you. What you're hearing in distance. I mean, I I uh, have had experience where I you know something uh, was making a very weird percussion sound and, and felt like it was. I felt like it was following us, and it felt always felt like it was pretty close. I never saw anything. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I I don't know what it was, but uh, it's I don't you know I, that's that's a strange encounter. I don't you know I'm not a I don't think the Bigfoot is invisible or has the ability to you know phase in and phase out. That would it just there's a lot of science that would not support that kind yeah. of creature. <laughs> I mean the energy that it would take to, but who knows? I mean. Um, and it wasn't just walking up to us. It was it, a charging motion. I wouldn't say yeah. full speed, but it wasn't yeah. walking. It was definitely at least jogging towards us. Yeah. I've always heard We're, that one of the, the interesting statements that I've heard is what when things are going on in the woods that, uh, you know, a mouse sounds sounds like a possum. Uh, you know, any animal uh, uh, possum sounds like a deer, or a deer because everything's amplified because we're, you know, we're amped up. Um, and I've, I've had that kind of experience. So, um, where you think, Oh, that's, that sounds, but, and it may not have been, 
I mean, you you believe that it was really close to you. So um, I I wasn't there, so um, I I got nothing for why there would be nothing, you know, when when you turn the lights on and there's nothing there. But uh, yeah, I told you it'd be something that got you seven hundred. <laughs> yeah, and um, so, also when I after all this happened, I did a little research, and right across the lake is another large mound. And back in the 50s and 60s, there were three reportings of Bigfoots over there yeah. on the other side of the Well, it sounds like there's a history in the area of, you know, and, and if you, you described um, hearing more than one um, creature moving around at, at different, at some point during during your encounter, right? Yeah, we'd hear it in front of us, we'd look at each other, then we'd hear it directly to the right of us, then we'd hear it directly to the left of us. Um, and again, after the after the gunshots went off, that's when we started here more to the left and right as well. And I, yeah, uh, I mean, and you said that there's, you know, a history of, of, of activity in that area. So, and having seen juveniles, I could see that being that you, you know, you got in there when there was some family activity. There's more, you know, there's, there's more than one report of, of people, um, coming up on on a Bigfoot and uh, uh, they're either being juveniles in the area and they act differently, they act defensively of you know like you would expect that a, uh, a parent would of its of its offspring. Um, you know you don't want to come up on a mother bear when she's around her cubs. Um, I you know this uh, and I'm I'm pretty sh- sure and other animals that you know that are uh, that we know are proven to exist, uh, deer and elk are skittish of human beings. So I'm pretty sure that an animal that, that is, in, uh, it seems to be as intelligent as uh, these, these creatures are, you know, no, no to be uh, aloof of, of humans. So, and, and it's interesting as Shane was talking, was talking about, uh, them not being uh, concerned necessarily about gunshots. So um, that I was thinking about um, Todd Nisha's encounter. Um, are you familiar with that, Jeff? That he's a no, National I'm... Guard guy. Yeah, Jeff. No. Several. I mean, several years ago, Todd was part of a National Guard unit that was actually um, doing explosive stuff out in in the woods. And as he was driving away, they saw he, he and a couple other guys. Uh, saw three Bigfoot come into the where they had been and and watched them leave. So, um, and and I've been in the woods. Uh, in fact, the research area that we have here in Oregon, uh, the first time I went up there, uh, I heard all kinds of ATVs and, and uh, people go up there and shoot. And and I thought there was no way that that there would be any reason that that uh, Bigfoot would be in that area. And, and that very first night. When it quieted down, as we had some really weird stuff happen, I can't say with any certainty that it was Bigfoot because I didn't see it. But it was, um, it was something that I can't explain by any known animals. So, yeah, the, 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 everything about it just <laughs> scared me. I, uh, yeah, and that I've, was, I've, I've jumped bear in the woods by accident. You know. Uh, there's a place Rangeley, Maine, that you if you go camping there for a night, you're guaranteed to see a few moose and a couple bear. But uh, mm-hmm. but they, you know, even with a bear, um, except like you said, maybe maybe if you jumped a mother and her cub, a gunshot wouldn't scare away. But any other time, 
a bear would be so far from you before you even knew it was there. Yeah, most. I mean that that behavior you described and and is and comes up in in other people's encounters is is that's consistent. I mean, there's a lot of times that that uh, they do not their behavior does not uh, mimic you know known animals that you know you put you sh- you shoot off a, a weapon in most cases any known animal other known animal is going to scatter you know yeah they don't, they don't want any part of that but uh like Shane was saying um there's mm. there's more than you know yours is not the only encounter where where gunshots does not do not seem to um deter them right did you guys find find any impressions around the area or anything like that i mean i don't know what the soil was like you know a lot of times you you can't you know you can't find any impressions i'm just curious if you guys found any impressions around the area or any tracks to be honest with you by the time the stuff started happening i from that second on i wanted to get out of dodge i did (laughs) yeah i was not (laughs) looking for evidence you're not a Bigfoot researcher any way, shape, or form. I mean, uh, you were not <laughs> no, going no. You're not in that place looking for Bigfoot. You'd heard stories no. that they're, they're like you kind of. I mean, you're you were open to the possibility that they may exist, but you were not. You know, yeah, okay, they could, but you you weren't convinced that that uh, they no, I, they I did. Mean, I'd have to be a pretty big hypocrite um, to say they don't exist when people tell me, well, I don't believe in ghosts, and I tell them, well, I can tell you straight up, I've seen proof, I know for a fact they're there. So for me to say there's no such thing as Bigfoot, I'd have to be kind of a hypocrite on that. You know, I'm open to anything. You know, just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist for sure. Yeah. And another note, yeah, the camper. Sorry. Go on the, on the front corner of it, I'd say about twice the size, three times the size of a basketball is a big dent right on the frame coming down. And, and for all this time, I figured it was snow. It was just something that toppled it in. But after this night, I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking it was right on the corner where there's a metal frame, and the camper is only, I'd say where it's dented in is about maybe eight feet high. And now after that, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I wonder if something got mad or, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, it looks it looks like something came down and crushed that corner. Yeah, it's, that's another that's another interesting point because uh, I I can't tell you how many times uh, from from uh, eyewitness encounters, but mostly just uh, scenarios where a Sasquatch has been seen in the area and whatnot, and someone said that some things come by and slap or or occasionally come by and slaps the side of their house their building, their shed, their motorhome, their trailer. Uh, and uh, that, I know uh, even a few uh, members of the Alamer Project uh, that we work with uh, that have claimed to have had uh, this sort of scenario in some of these areas where something sounds like something's up and slaps the building really hard and takes off running. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if something came up and, and, and <laughs> slapped the, the, you know, this trailer. <laughs> and then, of course, that that song, slap. could probably easily, yeah, yeah well, Quite easily. I mean, you're talking about something considerably stronger and bigger that it may not know its own strength sometimes, and 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 in it. But of course, it, like you said, I guess the possibility of snow is is probably better. But it, 
you just never know. It's pretty interesting. Or tree no. balls or something, yeah. Yeah. You never know. Right. Like that's, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. In the area. Oh, I, but I mean, I, Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you mentioned earlier uh, something else about this particular encounter was that you guys had heard uh, what, like a, what sounded like a woman singing and the drumming. you talk about that a little bit too, a little bit more? Yeah, that's, that's really all it was. was um, it was really faint. It was a woman, um, definitely a woman's voice, and kind of like a, an old drum, you know, just a boom, boom. And uh, it, I, the direction it was coming from, you would have to, because, it's you know, with friends, it, it's come up, well, maybe somebody came onto the property that wasn't supposed to be there in their camp or something, but you would have to, I don't see anybody really wanting to step over sticks and trees climbing up a mile on the side of a ridge where there's no openings or clearings to camp. Uh, it just wouldn't make any sense to me. So um, there's that, then the four-wheeler thing. But uh, Bob that owns the property, he's he's definitely into the Bigfoot thing. He's, again, he's seen it a few times. But um, he's got that same theory that other people do. Um, I know this disagrees with the other theory. You, you're more of the it's an animal thing. But he believes that that property, that circle of clearing is some type of portal or something. And it kind of makes sense to me where we had so many different uh, experiences that night. It wasn't just knocking on a tree. We heard the woman and the four wheeler and whatnot. So the four wheeler I chalked up was that could have been, um, you know, just a residual haunting or anything like that. Just some kind of tape recorder type thing. Uh, The music, same thing, maybe who knows, but it's almost like it was haunted, but it also had, the whole Bigfoot thing going on. It was really, really strange. That sounds, yeah, it sounds really odd, really strange. You know, uh, it's not the first time I've heard of the drumming being associated with Sasquatch, nor actually the woman's voice or the woman singing. Um, uh, I I don't, me personally, don't necessarily find that uh, to be maybe, I mean, I don't know, I'm not there, I can't see it, but I could see uh, a natural... Uh, explanation for that in a lot of ways because we do a lot of recording ourselves and we've recorded like a drumming noise um, and we've come to find out that yeah percussion yeah I would yeah. describe and, it as and, yeah yeah as, you look at a lot like, of known animals yeah. that do that uh, but uh, I mean that's just one of those things where I don't necessarily associate with it being paranormal but uh, until I see it of course but it, it does it has been recorded before in association with possible Sasquatch activity. So it's, it's one of those interesting things you brought up that it's not, and once again, not the first time I've heard it. So there definitely does seem to be uh, some sort of connection. Um, and Gunner mentioned the percussive sounds. Yeah, I mean, that's very, very true. Yeah, the whole night was just really, really odd. Again, I don't have, I don't have any explanation for any of it. It's just, it was the strangest, most shocking scary night I've ever experienced. (laughs) Which, I mean, to me, that's something that, you know, somebody who chases ghosts that that, uh, investigates other other phenomena finds that kind of that freaky. And and the most intimidating thing, of course, is having some large uh, entity. And I think it was, I think you're talking about a Bigfoot. The behavior sounds very, you know, matches up pretty well with Bigfoot. What your cousin saw sounds like a Bigfoot. I don't have an, you know, it's unusual that uh, coloring would be green, but 
um, you know, there's different shades of green. What's what's you know, what's green? What 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 was yeah, it yeah. doing that it could have got you know, got green on its face? So, yeah, that's the other stuff. I don't know. I mean, that's uh, like you said, weird weird stuff. I've heard other, you know, talked to other people that have uh, reported other weird phenomenon. Uh, in association with Bigfoot sighting. I, I have people tell me that they see UFOs in Bigfoot. I like, I don't, I don't think Bigfoot's coming from outer space. You know, I don't, <laughs> but uh, that, that's what some people report that kind of stuff. I, um, you know, stuff that is, is, uh, uh, more fantastic. It, it's just, it's, it's an interesting anecdote and it's just, we're never going to prove a mystery with another mystery. And, uh, but like I said, I don't discount your experience. You had something happen, whatever it was. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure nobody can explain. Uh, but, you know, uh, it could be that there was there's some logical explanation. Like like I said, I've I've heard the percussion sound. Um, in fact, my one of my weirdest experiences that and it's in our research area where we've had some some uh, actual sightings. Uh, I have not personally, but but some of our group members have had visual encounters. But I uh, was being uh, in a up up off a trail and starting to hear a percussive sound that that to me sounded a lot like uh, uh, the bass turned up in you know on a stereo in a car. And I kind of put it off to that at some point because there's roads up there. And I have some kids driving around with the bass turned up on their car, but. Uh, um, when it, and that was the time that my buddy and I were headed back. Uh, we were actually putting out audio, uh, uh, parabolic dish with a recorder on it. And, uh, we, we came back to the trail and I said, well, let's turn our lights off for a minute and see what happens. And, the, and the sound was closer. And, uh, this particular friend of mine is, is not really, I've never really seen him be nervous in the woods. He's, you know, he's very much of an outdoorsman. And we turn our lights back on. He's got his hand on his gun. He's like, "Let's, we need to get out of here." And that percussive sound actually followed us back down the trail. Um, he actually heard it. This trail, particular trail, splits, and he was hearing it um, on the other part of the trail as well. And, and we actually recorded it and have recorded it on other, other occasions. And it's just weird. And it has a weird uh, signature when you look on it. You know, in the uh, like on Sonic Visualizer, it has a weird signature. So it's just one of those weird things. I w- was a, a Bigfoot. I can't say that because I, you know, I'm walking in the dark and I hear a weird sound. So, um, but your your encounter with where where somebody sees something in those aggressive, uh, charging kind of behaviors, you know, in an in an area that has uh, the context of other uh, people having seen Bigfoot. Um, is is uh, interesting. I mean, that's uh, the other stuff is just I I don't know. It's it's just hard hard to explain. Yeah. So prior well, to the, thing, you, go ahead, Jeff. First thing when I got back out that night, uh, the property owner, my buddy, he uh, lives part time in the Philippines, and it was probably nine in the morning there. And the first thing I did was send him a message on Facebook and say, all that crap I ever gave you about Bigfoot, I take back every word of it. 
<laughs> so, so prior to this this experience, uh, how many times had you been to this area? Oh, several. Um, I actually own ten acres on it. Um, over the, oof, I'd say over the past few years, a dozen times. So, so, and you'd never had anything, anything remotely like this happen in the past. Nothing whatsoever. It would have been the last time I was up there. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been back to the area since? Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I try. I've got. Um, you might have heard of Audrey and Deb Hewins. Um, it doesn't, doesn't ring bell. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. They uh, they they um run a thing called uh, Starborn Support. Um, they're ufologists. Um, and if they're, one of them's dating Travis, um, who was the one that was abducted from that movie, Fire in the Sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Travis Wall. Okay. And a friend of mine, Steve, was one of the guys in the truck. You know, I know all those guys. And I tried to round some of them up, along with my cousin and myself and my partner in the paranormal research. And pretty much nobody wants to go. <laughs> well, I don't I don't blame Travis for uh, at all for never wanting having any other kind of weird well, experience Travis, at all. <laughs> he wasn't one of the ones that I asked, but I asked okay. Audrey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. that mo- that movie where where he was, you know, the the representation of his encounter the, the, one of the freakiest scenes in a movie I've ever seen is the needle moving towards his eye. They're like, oh, oh man, that is not okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set with that. Yeah, I, I, if I find out Bigfoot does that, I'm, I'm out too. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Turn around for range. Well, um, I, I will go up. Uh, we're actually going up. Um, once the snow is gone, we're gonna start building some shelters up there and whatnot. But, um, I'm, I, I don't know if it's a gut feeling. Or the fact that we stopped the car after a certain point, got out and stood there, and it was an easy feeling. Um, but it seems to me that any activity or anything that's going on there stays in this, I'd say, quarter-mile open area. And the where the gravel road stops and becomes path to that area uh, is where we got out, and it seemed calm and everything. And that's where my property is and for some reason I just I feel okay there. But I mm-hmm. told Bob, I said, I'll help I'll help you with your property and whatnot during the day. But when it comes time to crash to be call it a night, I am getting off this section of property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well uh, once again I, I don't blame you, you know, uh, but you had been on so this this piece of property, um it's uh, it sounds well. Obviously, it sounds like it's got a, a rich history in, in uh, sightings and, and whatnot. But you, uh, you you being up there a few times, never having any activity. Once again, that's that sounds really normal to me. You know, you just get that time when something is coming through or passing through that particular little area. But you seem to think that it, it, it's kind of the activity is just on that w- one area, basically. Uh, you know, rather than coming down onto your property. Yeah, I don't have any explanation for it other than just a gut mm-hmm. feeling. Um yeah. and it didn't follow us. We didn't once we got off that path and onto the gravel road, we didn't hear anything. Um so I don't know if 
I mean, you could present any theory to it, but maybe they just right. feel that's their right. that's their their part, you know. But and I don't. And before that night, I don't know if I've even seen so much as a squirrel up in those woods. I've never seen an animal up there. I've seen scat. I've seen. I know there's deer up there. There's moose up there. There's coyote. But I personally have never even seen one up there. I've never seen any wildlife up there other than us. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd imagine. Uh, well, I'm curious as to the elevation, but I would imagine there's probably some water source nearby, huh? Yeah, there's a river uh, right below that part of the property, and then at the bottom of the mountain there's a lake, a big lake. Mm-hmm. So plenty of water, and it sounds like that you know even with the lack of animals, you're still seeing uh, animals or evidence of animals there. And we are talking about a mountain, and that. Uh, do you any idea what the elevation is roughly around that area? Or? Oh, jeez. Um, I don't, but I can tell you that a pretty good uh, incline of the gravel road, it takes you about 10, 15 minutes to drive to the top. Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's substantial. That is substantial. And you got uh, probably a very, I mean, you see, it's pretty dense up there. I mean, you're saying it's, it's very thick and hard to get into, and in that one area we had your encounter, one way in and one way out. Yeah, there's there's uh, one gravel road that's gated, because uh, so, there I would say there's half a dozen uh, residents at the bottom. Again, Bob owns 120 acres. He owns pretty much the top of the whole thing. Um, but that gravel road goes up, and then at one certain point, the uh, gravel road stops because everybody chips in on the taxes for the road and whatnot. Uh, so then it becomes a path, and path isn't very far. It takes you about five minutes to go down it in a car, but that's because it's all rutted and, you know, it's just not a good path, mm-hmm. but it's not very right. far from the camp. Yeah. At the, uh, at the beginning, Jeff, uh, before you really got in your, into your account or your story, you had mentioned, uh, something that obviously is not super impressive to you, but you, you did mention, and that was some, some sticks you came across some sort of, I, I don't know if they were on the ground or on a tree, you talk a little bit about the way you just came across as far as the, these sticks that, you know, kind of piqued your interest. Yeah. Well, the, the reason they piqued my interest is uh, there's a few of them and the thickness of them, we do get some severe weather, I mean, uh, so you kind of knocked it over. Um, but the thing that struck me as odd is that number one, all two or three that we saw, um, they were green wood. They weren't rotted. And the par- sections that were laying on the ground were broken two or three more times, aside from being broken off. And I've, that never, is I've never really seen a hurricane or anything break the trees when they're on the ground. <laughs> so I thought that was odd. Yeah, so they're just laying in a like in a line, but broken in different in different places. Correct. Yeah, yep. that is odd. So, and, and I've we, heard a lot. Of- Go ahead, Shane. And we have seen other trees at about, you know, six to eight feet broken in the trail going in. But I always just attributed it to cars going in and out or whatnot. But um, on the way out, I was paying attention. And I'm like, geez, this is actually quite a few down this path that have snapped right around the six, eight foot height. But, but that could be anything. Right. How, how much traffic? How much traffic does this particular little, this area get as far as uh, you know outsiders or, or hunters or other people? I mean, is it frequently visited? You know, do people go up there and chop wood. What, what what's going on in this area? Um, well, around? like I said, there's uh, probably 
half a dozen, maybe a few, maybe a couple less uh, residents at the bottom of the mountain. Um, once you get up to his property, there's, I don't know, maybe one or two friends go up there a year. So, so yeah, not not a not a like a highway for human traffic, you know. <laughs> no, there's a um, at the bottom of the mountain is a, a main route that goes from Skowhegan, Maine, and connects and goes all the way up to uh, Quebec. Um, but that being said, you might see in a 10 mile stretch driving, you might see three more cars other than yourself driving. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, one of the things I've never come across cause we don't have them where I'm at. I, you know, I live in Washington. There are moose, uh, some moose, uh, Eastern Washington. I live further West. You guys, you guys have a pretty healthy, uh, Amount of of moose there. Huh? I've never come across one. I couldn't imagine one coming through the woods. It must sound like uh, it must sound pretty big all by itself. Yeah, I th- I um, I think since they've started recording it, which I don't know the year, but once they started recording it, I think it's up to about fourteen thousand people in Maine that have been killed by moose by running into them on roads. Jeez. Yeah, they're they're, they're prevalent for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> not something you want to hit with your car. Just, no, just, we're just large animals. <laughs> we are getting close to uh, the end of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our Monsterx listeners? Uh, no, except uh, the, you know, I'm glad you gave me the chance to tell the story. I've been dying to tell somebody that that would understand. You know, not think mm-hmm. I was just not so. Um, so I just really appreciate the chance, and uh, you know, if if you guys are ever over on the East Coast, me would be the place to check out for sure. Oh, right give on. me a call. <laughs> well, I'm, and like I said, I I got you know, uh, it's an interesting encounter, and it's, I I got no explanation for some of what what you described for sure. But uh, I appreciate you joining us to today to uh, share your encounter. Hey, my pleasure. Okay, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. All right, thank you. Have a good night. You too. So, I I don't know. I mean, that's. You know, some of that stuff is is uh, is trippy to me. I always wonder about, yeah. and I I should ask Jeff that is some some people that I think um, uh, in, are interested in the paranormal stuff. I, I I I'm a Christian, so I there's some some stuff to that that that, and I know you are. There's some stuff mm-hmm. that that uh, I I talk I think about attachment that when you mm-hmm. are messing with some of that other paranormal stuff. That's maybe some of that stuff follows you. Um, I don't know, but it's yeah, weird, weird, just a weird. Um, you know, but, there's the, the green face doesn't doesn't put me off too much. I I could see that being a natural phenomenon for sure. Easily, um, you know, easily for me personally, you know, I, I it could be a natural phenomenon. Could it could have took a nosedive into mud? Uh, you know, the uh, the possibilities are endless. And I think you know being. And this goes both ways. This is twofold. Jeff being into the paranormal, when he's out in the woods, things are going to seem more paranormal. As as like if you're into Bigfoot and you go to the woods, you you can try, but in the back of your head, Bigfoot's you know things are going to click Bigfoot for you, right? So it's just yeah. I think you just, it's just you know and you know I I wasn't there to experience what he experienced. I do believe you had uh, and you know possible Bigfoot encounter him and his buddy, and it sounds like there's a history there. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, most of the stuff that he was talking about, I don't, doesn't scream paranormal to me. 
you know, yeah. uh, like I said, the drumming noise, the women, um, the women's mm-hmm. voice, you know, that uh, animals make noises like that. I think Sasquatch uh, is capable, based on some of the recordings uh, that we've got, are capable of making similar noises, especially the drumming noise. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it doesn't uh, blow my mind. But it's interesting encounter, and an interesting thing you pointed out was the fact that he, you know, being a paranormal investigator, being out there, he was afraid of what was there rather right. than, uh, you know, uh, in his usual uh, day job or hobby. Yeah, and that's interesting because uh, one of the, the trippy things is, you know, when you run into a, someone who's been in the woods all the time and, and hunts bear or uh, that kind of thing, that when they have a Bigfoot encounter, how it trips them out because, you know, they're, they've been out there their whole life and now all of a sudden uh, I've been out here my whole life with this thing. You know, so it's, mm-hmm. it, it is a different kind of uh, perspective. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting encounter. Well, yeah, well, folks, that's that's about all the time we have for this episode of Monster X Radio. Um, as I, I mentioned earlier, check out our new Monster X web, website if you're inclined. It's www.monsterxradio.com. Um, we're just getting started with it, so we love to see you over there. Uh, thanks to my co-host Shane and to our guest today, Jeff Bowden. I appreciate you joining us today, Jeff. And for our Monster X listeners, have a happy Easter. This show will be playing then, and we will catch you a week from Easter with a brand new show. Radio.